Stay at Home Festival podcast. Producer Trent here. Hope you're doing well. Don't forget you can check out all the past episodes uh, on uh, cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home, which is where you can also leave a tip in our tip jar. Uh, there are various episodes that you won't get on the podcast, like some of the science shows and the comedy clubs and vitriola music and stuff for a variety of uh, reasons, but you can catch up with almost all of those shows on our YouTube channel or the website. And there's also quite a few uh, live shows that we do that don't go up at all on demand, like Josie Long doing a stand-up show, Tender, and some of our Patreon exclusives and that sort of stuff. So uh, go check that out. If you want to get access to the Patreon exclusive ones, obviously you need to be a Patreon supporter of Cosmic Shambles Network, which patreon.com slash bookshambles is the URL you need to do that. Today's episode... We're joined by two professors, Professor Pragya Agarwal and Professor Richard Wiseman to talk about the brain. And we've also got music from the Uncle Frank band, who uh, you might best know as members of the Fun Loving Criminals. Uh, so delighted to have them on the show. Here's Robin and Josie. <laughs> Welcome. Now, the reason I would, uh, Josie, just for you, you look like you've cut your hair. Have you merely used a different comb this morning? I haven't used the comb. I used my hands and just smushed it onto my head. And luckily, the accumulated grease is a kind of gloss styling effect. It's really good because I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying home haircuts uh, from people <laughs> at the moment. There's a lot of people that I've interviewed who uh, I think the general, I don't know if you've found the pattern of it so far, the Mohican uh, has been taken up by a lot of mate, late middle-aged men who still have hair, have, have gone, wow, by the time this is all over, it'll have grown back enough. Yeah, the, uh, there's now too many of the Mohicans. It's ruined Daniel Day-Lewis's uh, uh, film for me. Um, how are you? I'm fine. I am in this lovely place where because the last couple of days were hard and I woke up today feeling good. It's a, it's astonishing. Just just that that fluctuation feels wonderful. Um, I'm good. Me and Johnny uh, and Paddy last night made a video for a Eurovision song contest that we're participating in tomorrow night. Um, and our song representing North Macedonia is called No Sun, No Fun, No Problem. And oh, nice. It is utterly bizarre. That's all I can say. Well, that's very much it. Because who was the was there someone called Guido or something like that one year in the Eurovision who was like this kind of uh, slightly uh, Viking-esque uh, Teutonic musician who everyone got rather cross about. They were very confused by why Germany in particular had uh, um, decided to go with this. This I mean, wonderful, fascinating. Uh, it, but, but I think some people were worried that they were almost parodying the Eurovision Song Contest and, and it should always be dealt with, as we know, by each country with the greatest respect. Great seriousness. Um, do you know what's frustrating is I'm such a fan of the Eurovision Song Contest and I feel as if I ought to know instantly, like, I feel like a better person will go, of course, 2014, uh, that was uh, hands, you know. Hands, knees and uh, Boomsa days. Uh, and they, uh, exactly. yeah. I've I've never got it. I have to admit the Eurovision Song Contest. I've I, I've no. I've, I've now. I know in the last ten years, an enormous number of people now. It's it, it, it's gone beyond irony. It's become this new thing. To be honest, it's not a long, boring Swedish film, and so I don't watch it. That's you know, those are my rules. Long, boring films. But there I did is watch- always a Swedish part of it. 
And that should at least give you some sucker. Yeah, well, you know, know what the Swedish part I watched though yesterday? I watched the film Midsummer again. Oh, now, how do you feel about it? I think it's a great film. I think he's a fascinating director. I think Ari Aster, isn't it, who also did Hereditary. I, I don't know what, you know, in terms of dealing with what is going on in humanity uh, and the possibilities and the paganism and all of those ideas, I, I, I find it. I mean, I find the sledgehammering moments to it a little bit full on. Uh, I won't tell you what that bit is, but it's, it's no, a no, sledgehammer. I've, I've seen it but no, I, 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 I like it. I think it's a really interesting um, and, and it has that uncanniness and you do feel that you're immersed in 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 that world yes but i mean i mean i mean i mean i 100 percent read that as a revenge fantasy for 25 year old women who uh who have dated too many jerks the whole film tell me i'm wrong well it's- apparently the yeah the director's cut uh that guy's even more of of, of, of a, a jerk, jerk. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. My, my I mates, mates. more of a jerk that's me like the whole thing was just about was just about that central relationship and about kind of people moving on from that um Florence Pugh is amazing. Florence Pugh, oh, yes, everything that I've seen her in, Little Women, uh, Wrestling with Family, and Midsummer. She's uh, great in all of them. Uh, we should mention because otherwise Trent will be very, very cross. We should first of all mention uh, who we have on today, and also the tip jar. So we're joined again by uh, Professor Richard Wiseman. Uh, we uh, who's going to be talking about his pop up book work, psychology, and uh, anything else he requires as well, and possibly also we might talk a little bit about because we didn't last time very much about his uh, most recent book, which was about the psychology of uh, ground control on the Apollo mission. Uh, we also have uh, Pragya Agarwal, who's written a fantastic book, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed, Unraveling uh, conscious, Unconscious Bias, Sway. So we're going to be talking about her book, uh, Sway. And um, we also have Uncle Frank, who has two songs for us. Uncle Frank, and uh, very, very, they're wonderful songs as well. And they have a, a level of joyousness that might be required. Uncle Frank, some of you might have known, uh, also used to be in Fun Loving Criminals. And uh, and his current work is, is lovely. So we have some of that. And all of that put together um, means uh, Papa Pound in our tip jar at some point i was uh, just about to i was just about to say we have a tip jar if you if yeah if you've got a pound please consider dropping, consider it, in dropping it in because um we're pulling together to fund uh comedians and to help support the comedy industry which otherwise is very threatened um also i just want musicians as well and musicians and, music- and some even some jugglers too some nah, musicians once it's difficult the other ones anyway but um band camp today have waived all their fees so if you've ever had um an artist or a musician even some comedians have albums on band camp if you if you have a performer that you love or a creator that you love today's the day to buy their work on band camp because they'll see all of it and not just some of it yeah, and yeah. if you if you tweet me and, if you want to recommend or anything like that, uh, or you are in a band you want to recommend, I'm trying to as much as possible retweet everyone uh, and listen to as much music as possible today as well. Should we jo- should we have Richard join us for yeah, uh, today's so- show and tell? Oh, I'll do one little bit more of uh, housekeeping, which is uh, this weekend. Uh, well, well uh, tonight is the Quarantine Comedy Club, isn't it, uh, Josie? Half past eight, me, John Luke Roberts, Sophie Duker, Barbara Nice and Johnny and the Baptists. It'll be really, really fun tonight. 
we should mention that Johnny and the Baptists have work on Bandcamp as well. So, uh, oh, I should have known that. Yeah, you, you should have. You should have known that your partner is uh, will possibly profit from uh, Bandcamp's uh, Bandcamp Friday. Uh, on uh, Saturday, we have uh, at eleven a.m. We have the Children's Science Club, and that's Helen Chersky and Shirley Kanani and Simon Watt and Ginny Smith and uh, Johnny Berliner. And on Sunday at three p.m., uh, we have another Sunday Science Q and A, and we have Adam Rutherford on that, and uh, whose most recent book was How to Argue with the race system before that uh book of humans which is a very interesting book about human exceptionalism uh myth truth whatever somewhere in between in biology normally it's somewhere in between and we also have hugh warwick who will be talking about hedgehog awareness oh the best yeah hedgehog awareness week and uh lucy cook who wrote the book truth about animals will be with us and helen chersky as well so all those things and then finally next week we're having a slight change in the shows uh monday thursday and friday we'll be starting at 10 30 to do some show and tells with people and uh go and check who we've got and then tuesday and wednesday is normal as well so now over to uh professor richard wiseman uh pop-up wiseman how are you uh, pop-up artist how are you hello it's another beautiful sunny day here in Scotland, and um, as ever, and uh, I'm I'm doing well. Yes, are you well? Yeah. Have you? I mean, as a psychologist, are you enjoying this period of time to examine humanity? Humanity now in 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 isolation, and the fact you don't have to meet them. You know, you can now just observe them via social media or uh, other systems. You don't have to take them into your your laboratory. Are you enjoying, in some ways, the the, the homework of um, seeing? how humans react in what is a, a very strange situation strange situation for many people no <laughs> um i <laughs> i think like everyone else uh, it's it's causing lots of issues out there it's kind of interesting i think in terms of change i'm interested in change and people are being forced to do some things differently we shouldn't forget for some people it's a horrible stressful time um but for other people who are fine and so on one wonders when the real world comes back as it will at some point how that's all going to impact on things so i think that's interesting um i'm i'm fascinated like everyone by the news the rolling news uh and other than that it's made no difference to my life at all i normally work from home i don't meet people they don't want to meet me um and, and i actually didn't notice there'd been a lockdown until three weeks into it so it's your family but not you that's good like that's I went into social isolation. I, I managed a meeting very early on with two people that then tested positive. So I actually went into proper social isolation for 10 days. They were delighted. <laughs> they, they asked, the only group asked to extend those. The doctors were saying there's no need. They said, surely it's better to be safer, better safe than sorry. So it's, it's the very first day out of social isolation. It's lovely to see somebody. <laughs> see, that's what I find delightful is the fact that you know, as a social the main reason you study it is why on earth do people socialise? You know, this is ridiculous. Psychologists study the one thing they themselves have got the biggest deficit in. <laughs> you know, people they can't remember a thing. You meet the personality folks. Well, that explains everything. So, this, yeah, as, this, this is like, like comedians. The whole comedians are miserable off stage thing. You know, you're yeah, getting it done yeah, in your work. Most of them as well. Um, yeah. So uh, it's no, no, so psychologists. So social um, psychologists. I do find some stuff interesting. How you alter behaviour is really interesting, and what it requires. Um, you know, particularly amongst joggers, uh, for example, who just don't seem to understand any concept of distance at all under any circumstances. 
Um, so I find that stuff interesting. I go out for my little walk uh, during the day and I observe people, normally from a two-metre distance, unless they're joggers, in which case it's a much closer study. What I wanted to ask you was uh, a few things, really, about um, things like, because this is such a, for most people, different time and sort of strange time, and it's lasted now so long, how long do you think it will take for people just to sort of not be thinking in the back of their minds, oh, God, I better not go near that person, What you know, once these things are relaxed? Like, how long do you think it would take for people to kind of deprogram themselves? I guess that's a, it's a very good question, isn't it? I, I think what's astonishing is, uh, A, how quickly we've got used to this, this yeah. normal. And it, and it shows how plastic we are, you know, much of my... Uh, colleagues like to think that we're, we're born certain ways and, and are not very changeable. Actually, one of the things that this has shown is, yet again, how adaptable we are. Now, when, I think it depends how long it takes. Let's imagine there's a year of this in, in various ways, maybe a year and a half. I think you'll see people doing things a different way, and some of those ways will turn out to be better. Mm. You know, already I've had meetings with, with 20, 30 people on via the, the web and you sort of think, well, actually, it's just as good as us all being in the same room. Yeah. So restrictions are lifted and, and go to all the hassle of, of all actually being in the same room. So I think that's where you'll see kind of big change um, amongst certain sort of pockets of the, the, the population. But the amazing thing is how quickly we've all kind of got used to it is, is, is what's... I think at the other end, it will be a similar, a similar thing. thing. It won't be that people 20 years from now are like, no, I don't, I don't go near people. I don't think it'll be 20 years. No, I think we'll, we'll get back to going near to people because that's a very human thing. But in yeah. terms of how we meet up, how we work, you know, maybe to some extent how we consume, consume. how we consume all, all of those things, I think might undergo quite quite a shift. Um, but, I mean, the biggest thing, <laughs> doom and gloom about it, but you've got a big recession coming. Uh, that's going to affect things far more than, than any of this. So... You know, we'll see. But right at the moment, what it speaks to is our astonishing ability to adapt. I mean, if we were dogs, you know, we'd be doing the same thing and, and it would be mass extermination across the planet. You know, we should all go into lockdown and socially distance. Very hard to get them apart. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't thrive. Wouldn't thrive. They wouldn't thrive. They wouldn't be queuing up for food to apart. You never see dogs doing that. This is so. I have another uh, another question for you, which is also me being like this me being thing. like this, this other thing, and this is complete anecdotal nonsense. But what I've seen from all of my friends is that this sixth week has been the hardest week emotionally in terms of all of it. And I was wondering if there is anything behind it that could explain why everyone I know at this six week juncture is falling apart. Yeah, I don't. I... I, I, I think everyone's going to have a slightly different journey on that. Yeah. I, I think that any change, change. What, you, what you get is, oh, this is kind of interesting because it's different. Oh, we have to start doing things differently. That's that's kind of uh, interesting and to some extent fun. And then you start to go, oh, no, this is the new reality. This is how it's, it's going to be. And I think once that penny drops, then you start to feel a bit better about it. Um, so we, we like initial change because that feels rather exciting. And then you realise that that's how it's going to have to be, and that gets a little bit of a downer. And then once you accept that, once you embrace it, then actually I think you start to feel a bit better about it. So I think it's good to have global hope, that, that hope that things will get better eventually. What you don't want is too much day-to-day -day optimism. Oh, you know, yeah. you don't want it, and it's going to be better tomorrow. It isn't. 
it will be better in the future, in the long term. But in the short term, you know, it's, it's going to be a bit of a, a struggle, I think. is probably the best, best mindset for it. I think that that's, I mean, that's definitely been finding it difficult because my whole MO is like, don't worry, tomorrow will be better. And also my whole way of coping with difficult people online is to think, well, look, I love my life and I love how I've managed to curate it. And if they are so unhappy, they have to do this. Whereas now I'm like, my life's probably worse than this. Oh, God. <laughs> Which yeah. Is probably- but also it depends on how a lot of work into to luck and lucky people. And it, it all depends on who you compare yourself to. So some friends of mine are, are nurses and quite frankly, they're terrified to go to work. Yeah. And so when I wake up, you know, I think about them and all I've got to do is sit around the house yeah. and, and do the work I do in a very safe moment. So it all depends on that, that the comparison groups that you're using, Perspective. I think. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, also, Robert, I, think, well, I was just going to say, also we've realised to have any spare space if you see what i mean because i know you talked about josie you have a very small flat you guys are very close together to have any room or any corner that you can go into to have any kind of uh, and i hope that kind of remains in all of our heads that thing that if you have a small patch of garden you now go wow i used to think oh i can't do anything in this garden it's tiny and now i go i have this patch i have this you know if the sun is out i have a space in which i can just walk out safely and i think things like that it's going to be very interesting to see the different people who those who that remains with them is actually something in terms of you know this is a piece of good fortune and this helps me empathize with those who haven't got those things i, I think that's that's right i think that's that's right i mean my, my parents were actually in the east end during the, the blitz wow. and so for them this is honestly a walk in the park they're going, we go to sleep at night, we wake up, the house is still there. You, you know, we didn't have that. And you, you, so, you, know, you go to sleep, you went, you went back above ground, and you didn't know entire neighbourhoods were flattened and, and so on. So for them, they're doing that comparison. And again, that's a very much an upward comparison. Depends on who chooses your, your kind of other group, as it were. Well, also, just the fact, so, that, just the fact that I, I am always very, very grateful that, thank God, we are not living in a war. Thank God what is happening to us is not a case of human aggression and opposition and all of that kind of psychic torment to have to deal with. What we're dealing with is something that everybody is united is a bad thing that is not us, you know, and the people who are, uh, who are fighting it aren't people who are going out harming other people. It's the opposite of that. And I feel so grateful for that. Absolutely. We're all in this, essentially. Um, and I mean, as my parents were interesting, again, because when, the, when some of the sort of food issues started at the beginning, we were a little bit concerned about getting food. They went straight into rationing mode from the war, which was that on one day you ration and the next day you don't. So during the rationing day, you've got something to look forward to the next day. So they went into this this kind of sort of mindset, which was sort of lurking in there and just came back out again. So I, I, just, I, find, I do find that fascinating. Didn't yeah. just have a banana. There we go. Um, yeah, I know. Love just that. showing yeah. off. I haven't seen one of those since 1945. <laughs> that is one of the most grotesque stories of uh, um, the, the story of Evelyn War, who was known for not being necessarily the most pleasant human being to other human beings. Uh, when his, uh, dur- during uh, rationing during the Second World War, uh, five bananas arrived at the house and he called all his children down. And uh, they all sat around the table and then he peeled each banana, placed it in a bowl, covered it in cream and sugar and ate each one in front of all of his children. And then asked them, I said, you can now go. That says it really changes Brideshead Revisited for me, that. <laughs> 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 
thing to do. Um, have you got a show and tell for us today, Richard? Oh my goodness, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got, I've got uh, a couple of things. Obviously, I've got a, a, the new pop-up books, which I know everyone's going to be uh, very interested in. Um, but I've also got this. I hope you can see it. It's a puzzle, mm-hmm. and it's a, a piece of wood with a hole drilled in it, and another piece of wood that goes in there like that. And the the uh, challenge is to get this inner piece of wood out without touching either of them. Normally, that would be sitting on a table, and so you're not allowed to touch them. But you have to move this inner piece of wood out, and that's the uh, the puzzle. And uh, I'm sure many of your viewers will know the answer. If not, I'll uh, you blow across the top of it. So let me try and get this right. <laughs> <laughs> And that's astonishing. <laughs> Impressive. That is. Hold on a minute. I'll give a bit more puff. Look at that. Look at that. that was like that was like being entertained by a hoop and a stick. It's great. <laughs> and if any of your viewers uh, know the uh, the physics uh, of that, perhaps they could post it because I don't know why, why that happens, but it does happen most times as long as you get the angle right. Um, my little wooden puzzle there. I love it. That- that's fantastic. That reminds me of, I, I, I think it was one of those uh, um, people that uh, James Randi debunked. I forget his name now. Do you remember there was a guy who had an amazing power to make a pencil roll across things a bit? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was incredible. It was yes. one of the great moments of the 70s. Oh, my God, human beings didn't know they had the power to sometimes was, make a pencil roll a bit. He was a white man, but he would wear a lot of sort of karate gear. And his shtick was he was sort of doing a kind of... I don't even know, like a martial art that he'd yep. invented where he was like, Ugh, and then the pencil would roll. James yeah. Hydrick, that's his name. It, James Hydrick, and he was a martial arts expert. You don't want to argue with him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it went on so long. Is everyone just looks at him, so I'll take your word for it. That's psychic. Um, but no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great thing he did. He would he'd balance a pencil or a pen on the edge of a table, make these kind of movements around. And actually, his methodology was really good. He worked it out on his own. And he got some nice stuff there where he'd even turn his head away and it would still move. It was nice, great footage is still out there. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it's such well, an interesting... I mean, that that whole... We, I know we don't have time to wear it now, but that, that whole moment in, in kind of uh, scepticism and science during the the, the, the the heyday of telekinesis where people were going, you really do need to have a close-up magician check on the powers of their mind because there is a possibility. <laughs> it, it's like having a seance with a bad ventriloquist. You know, you do need a ventriloquist because it might turn out that the only time the ghost is talking is when they're holding a mug quite near their mouth. Oh, come now for you. I'm the ghost of Eileen. Oh, I think that was a- <laughs> No, but as a scientist, I'll be able to see through those tricks. You know what, Professor? I think you're missing something with our ventriloquist ghost. I like the idea of the, do you remember the old gag of the ventriloquist? The old gag of the ventriloquist who's doing seances and everyone's really impressed and he's charging $20. He said, actually, if you pay me $40, we have the whole seance and I'll be drinking a glass of water. <laughs> um, Josie, what's your... I will get back to you on that. It is difficult, isn't it? Because to be honest, now at the end, now at the end of the fifth week, we are really grubbing around our house. We're running out of stuff. We've shown everything and we've told everything. Well, I've uh, this was I've, I've been trying to neaten some of my shelves for the books that actually have space on the shelf. Most of them, as you know, don't. And it's I found this. Piece. Robin's on Instagram, and if you don't follow him, he's very, very good on it, and it's a real good representation of your interests and your um general mood hosting bookshelves and they're great they're so enticing 
Well, this is the thing is just so people know, people know the bookshelves they've seen, this is what I'm working with initially. <laughs> so that gives you some sense. Richard, of what does this say about the man's psyche? What does this say? <laughs> well, well, yes, let's, let's, let's dig deep. Um, no, I think there's been quite a lot of research in, into creativity and messiness in offices. And so people with messier offices, far more creative. So there we go. <laughs> But, but, and, and books knows for, for uh, anyone who edits a book knows oh i've got a very creative author and it is a nightmare trying to get some form of narrative structure I've, i'm so sorry to have interrupted them with that silliness would you keep showing us the show and tell please oh no it's just it was just when, when i was cleaning one of the, and i i've been looking for this for ages and i don't know how it, this book is one of the books that kind of launched what was clause 28 and became section 28 oh i remember yes uh, uh, for those those of you who are young and, and uh, i'm sure many of you do you do know it, it was uh, basically it was a kind of distraction technique by the government. It was it was one of those uses of, of kind of social fear to distract from the collapse it of society. Just throws a whole generation of people and their lives under the bus so yeah. that they get to do whatever they want. And it was during a, 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 another period of kind of homophobia in, in, in the UK as well. And uh, so it was Section 28 was the, 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 the outlawing the promotion of homosexuality by teachers. Uh, the, um, and this was one of the books. This is one of the main books. This is Jenny Lives with Eric and Martin. And I picked up, I can't remember which shop I picked this up in. And uh, this book was talked about. The, Can you believe these books are everywhere? It's called libraries. Jenny. Eric Martin, and this is uh, when you're grown up, you can live together in different ways. Some women fall in love with a man and live together with him, and some men fall in love with a woman and live with her. But women do also fall in love with other women, and men do fall in love with other men. Wow, my God! I know it's so and, bleak that just a very sweet, sensitive children. I mean, you know, you see it now with what's look happening. At it. That's egg in his mouth. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing is that everything about this, about book. this book is entirely uh, charming and sweet, and it's just kind of there. There, look at them repairing a bicycle. That's what those men do. They're always repairing their bicycles, and and it does. And of course, the, it, I think also the, the the handy thing about books like this and and remembering those stories is to remember that the media hasn't changed so much. Don't imagine that we're not still being sold dummies. Because this book, which was apparently in, in every classroom, you know, children were forced to reenact some of the scenes of bicycle repair, whatever it was. This was There was one copy of this in the Inner London Education Authority's Library of Resources. So it wasn't even in schools, but it was available. If someone requested it, there was this one copy of this book. And so I find, you know, this is one of those interesting books which has a very rich cultural history yeah. uh, about mistakes we've made and and about and and again remind mistake is too generous i think deliberate you know miss, well, miss I, I mean the mistakes of 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 those people Society. who have been misled rather than the, the, the government itself and the uh, you know the propaganda techniques but i think you know as we see it now we see it you know certain newspapers and many new you know if you you must never think that oh hang on a minute lessons were learned and, and can i say that oh. there is actually at the moment uh, liz truss who's the new, new equalities minister has been really really hinting at her support for transphobes and for kind of damaging the rights of trans people and particularly like focusing on this same kind of scare tactic about young people who uh, are trans and, and um, 
yeah it's it's something that if you are like like us you know you're trying to be an ally to trans people it's worth finding out about it and seeing what you can do to be supportive because it's exactly the same sort of arguments being used and it's exactly the same sort of um scandalized awful stuff going on so yeah check it out well that's yeah the the, the we have to use that slower thinking part of our mind mind uh is that true generally i mean this is what i think richard is w- with a lot of things that we see on on social media and and i think we most of us fall prey to it you, you see a certain clip of something or you see a sentence and your natural reaction is mm. to is to go oh well that seems appalling and your natural reaction is not immediately to find out the context and find out the information. And and that seems to be one of the main problems, which is it will take a while quite often for Snopes or whoever it is to get to the bottom. And and if it takes two days to get the correct information, then it's too late. It's moved on now to a, to another kind of, to another kind of. I think, I think that's right. I mean, and of course we only tend to do it when it disagrees with our viewpoint. Hmm. So can't be right then we look into it otherwise we just let it go um but i, I think at the root of it is just the straight us and them isn't it it's it is just that that very kind of deep-rooted thing we have about groups of people and we want to be in one group and want another group over there and I, and I think you're better off just kind of getting rid of any sort of sense of us and them um you know there are good and bad to, to cut the pie as it, as it were so yeah i'm, I'm not a fan of it's a whole sort of Brand of psychology, which is individual differences, where they you know compare men and women, or extroverts and introverts, or any of these things. I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, you know, I'm much more interested in what happens when you put everyone together. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. well, we'll look well, like at that. Saying you have to change and adapt means that, like, so often you could. I feel like life is so fluid, and one life is so fluid. It's so ridiculous to be like these extroverts. Yes, that's that's right. We did, we did a kids show here, actually, based on uh, psychology, positive psychology. And uh, we worked with kids entertainers. And so much of that stuff, even at that young level, is let this side of the room versus this side of the room, girl versus boy or whatever it is. And it was quite hard to come up with games and things that everyone worked together. And we've, because a lot of them was about people sitting around working together to make one thing happen they weren't quite so keen on splitting into teams so it's kind of interesting interesting. what's the shift well i don't know what the shift was i don't know but i mean victorians were very hot on getting together also in certain classes and having a good time together so that was very much the mindset and the game we went uh, to in the end was we got one kid up on stage we um, blindfolded them we hid an object or someone on the stage took the blindfold off and everyone had to applaud huh. when the kids near to the object. They applauded and cheered more. When they got further away, they went quiet. So the whole audience were helping the kid yes. on stage, and you could feel the difference in the room yes. versus the. So I, that, that's the psychology I find interesting. Stuff that makes a real difference. Well, hopefully we, we will be talking about some of those and, and unconscious biases and, and those things in, in, in a moment with uh, Pragya Agarwal and, and talking about her book Sway. Before that, we are going to go and have the first of two songs today uh, from Uncle Frank, who I mentioned before, Uncle Frank, who I actually, I, I use the past tense for Fun Loving Criminals. Fun Loving Criminals do actually still gig as well. When he's not doing his own work, they do sometimes get back together and do gigs. So uh, we're going to go over to Uncle Frank and just remind you as well, again, the tip jar at the bottom of this, uh, this is uh, a resource that we're trying to create uh for various artists and art institutions and so let's now see uncle frank hey frank here me and my music partner and i are about to perform a couple of songs 
using this technology crazy stuff. It's great to put technology to, to good use, but I just want to say to everybody out there, uh, if you've been staying in, keeping safe, making sure our amazing NHS has been dealing with this problem, which they are, they're just fantastic. Um, we want to just say big love from Uncle Frank. Uh, we're going to be playing two of our old tracks just to put a smile on your face. One's called Something, Something. one's called Whoopi With You. And um, we just not long released a new album called Soul on the Battleground. We've got a brand new acoustic EP, a little bit what, like what we're doing now. It's coming out on the bank holiday of May 29th. And it's uh, our live recordings from our very own Tiki Hut. So I hope you enjoy that. Plenty there for you to listen to while you're staying in. But just big, big love. You can get everything you want to get from www.unclefrankband.com. Hope you enjoy. Something, something. One, two, three, four. I lied to anyone Since I met you Sentences of song How are my words Ever to rhyme without you Like a scarf is knitted I feel so entwined Custom made and fitted Just me and mine Why do I Feel so cold Without you Yeah my friends say, friend, yeah. falling in love, falling in love alone. Tell me, friend, yeah. every little something, 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 something of my own. So you think I'm trouble? At least that's what I heard. You still like me? I was a nerd Every night I'd be painting a portrait of you My friends say Frank Fall in love Fall in love alone Tell me Frank yeah, I have a little something Something, something, something of mine Something, something, little something, something, little something, something of my own. Something, little something, something, little 
of something, something of my own. Uncle Frank and uh, Uncle Frank we've got another song from Uncle Frank later on and uh, so that that was uh, a, a, a lovely song and uh, beautifully put together because I have noticed and, and I don't have a problem with it but a lot of people are putting together songs with all of their friends from various bands uh, just by filming each other on the phone uh, to support things and not the quality is not always great in the same way as the quality of this is not always great our intention is good but uh, so that was lovely to actually see someone who'd managed to get a level of, uh, of, of, of such excellent production so now we're joined by uh pragya agarwal who's written this book which i've mentioned before which i've read which i think is fantastic and um yes yeah, so this is a i mean for you this, this must be, must a, be a, 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 a strange a, time where uh, I, I know with a lot of authors that moment ago my book's about to come out and there's no bookshop so have you found lots of different ways of, of at least because i know you've had some some I've, I've read some great stuff in, in the press and you've had some fantastic reviews for the book but are you finding different ways of going right i can i'm gonna find ways of exposing people to this book yeah it's been really it's been really funny because the book came out just as kind of the lockdown was starting so all the events were cancelled and nobody was really knew knew what to do so i think it's been great because people have been creative and i had to do virtual talks and virtual events and and make a big deal of my book and talk a lot more about it on social media which I normally wouldn't so I feel like I'm talking about it all the time which is slightly odd but I think it just um yeah it's been great to have the support of the online community and people are tweeting about it um so I think it's kind of shown also that we don't always have to do things face to face there are other ways of doing it uh, other ways of doing things as well but it was kind of sad to not see it on bookshelves and in windows and things like that, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's on, mixed emotions. On emotion. the plus side, there is that thing that sometimes you go to a bookshop and you find it's not on the shelf and you find out that <laughs> yeah. your enemy's book main is table right at the front. <laughs> And then, so, so again, in all these situations, finding the positive, you know, sometimes you go, I, I don't know if it's just me, but has someone seen the Waterstones uh, in Rickmansworth? I, I don't know, there is one there, but I, I can't find my book. And I'm just, <laughs> just said it was going to be there. Um, you have a, a wonderful quote in your introduction, which I, I think gives us some sense of, of the motivation of the book. And it's from Raymond Williams. And, uh, and the quote is, to be truly radical is to make hope possible rather than despair convincing. The and best I that... quote. I love that quote. Um, also, Raymond Williams yeah, I think I... is having a renaissance in terms of people um, um, Reconnect reconnecting with his work. Sorry to jump in. Got excited. No, no, no. Go on. No, no, I... I think I I love that, and I've got it on my office wall, because I think we get... I have a tendency sometimes to be quite negative about things, and, and when we're writing, when I was especially writing this book, I felt... It can be quite depressing to studies with all the bias, racial bias, gender bias, age bias, everything. And at times I felt quite low, especially when I was writing it. I would feel this is really bleak and I, I don't know if there's any kind of hope for us all. But I think that kept me going because I, there is this, this feeling that if we acknowledge and reflect on some of these things 
and if we talk about them then there is, it is a possibility that we are actually a, all able to make a change and all able to like change our behaviors and i think that i love that quote as well so thanks for bringing that up well you, the you, the book starts with a i wonder if you can tell us a, a story of you uh biased judgments when when you were in in quite a precarious situation with with uh, one of your children yes yeah there's uh, there's an example with um one of the examples about gut instinct where i talk about one of my twins who's now just recently turned 4 when she was just one she was quite ill and she's been ill for 10 days and every time we were sent back and there is this feeling that as a parent you're always overreacting and i i get a sense um from the medical professionals but that day i just felt like i i i have to take her into the hospital she she doesn't look good and i have this sense and even my husband said this is all okay so i just rushed her into the nearest children's hospital emergency they just said oh again she's here again talking about it you know and so i write a lot in my book about the med and healthcare and medical diagnosis and treatment and as a woman sometimes you're not seen as like your um your pain and suffering might be downplayed there are research to show that racial bias exists as well be women of color especially are seen as um as overreacting at times and they might not get the same treatment so i think all these factors compounded and as a parent sometimes you're seen that you're you have this positive bias towards your children so you're going to be more concerned about them and you might just be reacting more strongly but on that occasion they had to admit her um and within like 5 minutes she went into she was going into sepsis shock her heart rate just spiked and i still have kind of nightmares and just talking about it give me shivers so mm. so you know um yeah i think on gut instinct where i start with that example Well, this is it, it, it seems to me have you found in doing the research for this book and writing this book ways of addressing some because i think one of the problems is that we do think that we are rational we think we've reached most of our positions from a kind of evidence based position we and we don't you know if someone does say that oh that might do you know what i think that might actually be a little bit kind of racist where that's come from or misogynistic or whatever it might be the natural reaction is to go how dare you i i'm not like that at all because we're not aware of of so many of those those unconscious biases that come from all the things around us so have you found different ways of of being able to address it without the whole without the shutting down of conversation which happens so often i think it has to be a two way process i i think sometimes as people who are who feel like under attack like even by race gender age it becomes their responsibility to educate other people about it and i think that that puts the onus on them them even in workplaces or in society but i think all of us have a responsibility of educating ourselves there's so many resources out there and all of us have a responsibility of understanding that we are all biased we all carry these biases and richard was talking about how children from a young age are put into these groups of of us and them and i think that's where it all starts this kind of tribe mentality of other other people othering people and finding that they don't belong to my tribe so they're not like me and i talk about that in my book as well about the social development how it occurs as well and so i think we all have this we are all biased i am biased and so are you and everybody carry these biases because of the way we've been brought up or we we've what we've read and what we see in media so i think um just acknowledging that i think is a really big first step and not being defensive about it and i think taking 
putting yourself in the other person's shoes can be sometimes quite an empathetic response as well when we start doing that we can understand how the other person is feeling rather than being about us all the time which is difficult i know in such situations i was talking to my friend last night about um the my, my friends from missouri and at the moment in missouri there are these protests against the lockdown and mm. i contacted my friend because I, I wanted to just basically be like i can't recognize these people i don't understand where their thinking's coming from and my friend was basically like all i'm trying to do is uh, share as give as much thought and understanding of how these people have got to where they are and and understand that actually everyone the most we can do is understand that the systems themselves are the things we should be angry at and not the people who are at their mercy even when what those people are doing is absolutely shocking and and awful to us and like how do you feel with when you think about your book with regard to kind of like systemic change and things like that like how do the two things relate I suppose going from personal to to broader is that, a, is that a really rangy question? I was like, I've got a point. Then I was like, have I got a point? It's, difficult. it's a difficult one because I think a lot of these, I think a lot of these things are because of systemic and structural issues. And I think sometimes when we just talk about individual behaviors, we can forget that they are a manifestation or a result, as you say, of the systemic problems, the broader issues. We can't just say, oh, this person is being mean to me or this person is we sometimes forget that there are broader issues at play as well you know and I think I think both the discussions are valid and important and both the the acknowledgments are valid and important as well so we are all a result of happening around us and the systemic issues but we cannot use it as a get out clause you yeah. know we can sometimes say oh I'm I just was brought up like this or I just grew up and everybody around me is like that. So that's why I'm like, can you use that as a get out clause? I grew up in India. It's very patriarchal society. And I think everybody was acting like that. So it's easy to say that's what the other person is doing. So why, why was the problem with me acting like this? You know, that's what, how, how it works. And so I think that's acknowledging that systemic thing, but knowing that sometimes we have to make individual individual changes to make changes or structural changes I, I feel is probably important it's always it's like that difficult moment difficult. Where, moment where with an elderly relative of going do yeah. I bring this up now or do I go well they are 84 aren't they and that's a, that, that, those points are, and, and that of course can change you know that that bit where you go do I allow this to pass or not or by doing that does it also in some ways reinforce some of those things in, in me yeah. as well and how yeah, you I've been sorry, go on, Josie. Oh God, no, please, please you. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying, I was saying I've been in situations like that exactly, Robin, but I'm sitting and I'm thinking, oh, it's I'd be the one always shouting about these things, you know. I'm really like this angry person who's always going on about, oh, what you said is probably not the right thing to say, or please do not say things like that. But um <laughs> there's a time and place for everything, but I think sometimes I, I do say that in my book as well, but it's not it's not enough to sometimes not be racist ourselves. We have to be sometimes actively anti-racist or actively anti-something. And unless we say that, unless we speak up, 
then things are not going to change because we can make these changes with, among within ourselves, but we also have a responsibility to kind of spread it around and change other people around us as well in some way. So, and I think it can be difficult. So you don't want to become somebody who, but other people view as very angry, or or you don't want to be somebody who is condescending or dogmatic to people. But at the same time, I find if I encounter something, and in my head I'm thinking, oh God, I I have to say something about that. That's you know, something I really, really disagree and think is wrong. I find myself, if I'm trying to go softly, softly with someone, I think, is this just manipulative and false? Because I'm not just saying, you've actually made me very angry with that. That's cruel. I'm saying, well, let's talk about this. And in my head, I'm thinking this is a chess game, you know. And I think there's something to do with, you know, persuading people and trying to change people's minds that feels still so complicated and difficult. Yeah, like, how do people get beyond it, I suppose? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I hope that uh, when we read more, it gives us vocabulary to talk about these things. We can support our arguments with other evidence saying it's not just me who's got angry about it, or it's not just me who's felt like this. There is enough research or other examples to show that this is not the right thing to say, or this is how what's happening in broader society, or this is actually not just uh, one example, one offhand example, but there are other things that are going on about it. And I think, I hope that kind of reading Sway, but also other books that have come out recently gives people, give people vocabulary to deal with these things, these kind of really complex issues, but also these debates and discussions as well. And sometimes it's okay to say, yes, it's made me angry. But I do think that because I think it's valid and relevant to show that yes, it has made me angry and I'm angry by this. And I think sometimes it can get complicated, just not just with relatives, but also in workplaces as well. How do you treat, mm. tell your work colleague that, um, what you're doing is not just a joke. It's actually making me angry. And I think um, there is, it's important to maybe do it softly at times, but there is a time and place for it. And, and if a person doesn't really acknowledge this, then either you send them, bombard them with a lot of information and lots of emails and say, this is it, read this, read this. <laughs> <laughs> Another strategy. But <laughs> Or you can just give them some books to read or, or just have create a non-judgmental space to talk about these things and say, okay, I'm not going to judge you. You don't judge me. Let's have a discussion about why you feel like that and why I feel like this. If if that person's really important to you, I suppose. And I think there are different ways we can do that. Um, just figuring out is sometimes tricky. That's what I mean. What Richard was saying earlier as well about this kind of that everything is set up as as, as combat. So much of education yeah. is this side and that yeah. side, and and I'm sure all of us have had different. I mean, I remember a few years ago where I'd always get asked, to, "Would I come and debate with someone who was religious?" And I debate. said, why, "Why? Why don't I just? Why don't we just have a conversation on stage? Because yeah. otherwise, the debate seems to me to just be at the end of it. It doesn't matter about whether anything's been learnt or we've got new information. It who won? Who won? That's yeah. that's what all that it seems to be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's happening in social happening. in social media. Isn't it? Oh. Mm. And I think it's happening in social media, isn't it? At the moment, that's that's kind of real life and social media playing in each other. Because in social media, if something somebody says something that you don't agree with, it's not part of my tribe. It's not part of. Uh, I'm just going to that person, or I just there's no sense of like a halfway measure or just talking about things and you know discussing things. But even I, those, you're right. You know, 
Twitter is not designed, designed to allow to... that, is it? It's designed to be like this, this, this. <laughs> I have been trying to explain that for some time, some time to people that it's not a 280 characters. It does not therefore make an arena for effective uh, social or political debate. It makes an effective arena to go, have you seen this? This is fun. I've taken a picture of that. Here's but a joke. Would... short. I would also like to say blocking is self-care in a pandemic. <laughs> and if people are trying to rile you up, you block everyone and have no regret. Um, yes, I, I think, yeah, people being sort of positioned as in opposition constantly and that being the news discourse and the idea that constantly there should be this false notion of two opposing sides that are entirely opposed. And Oh, yeah, you can come in. Sorry, my oh, I'm sorry, mute, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, this is normally and... this late. Uh, 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 I'll tell you what, we will. Um, one thing, but you were talking about increasing vocabulary, and I always love, uh, you know, in, in books, I'm always circling words that I've never heard before. And you write a little bit early on about uh, stand ups, and this word, which I will now mispronounce, which is uh, paraproduskian. Paraproduskian? Yeah. Is that? Yes, I think so. <laughs> so. So it turns out Josie may have been, have been paraproduskian nights for years. What is this? What is this? It's about how you propose an argument, I think, and I don't to remember now because I wrote it last year. And I'm not a stand-up comedian, so I'm constantly have people pick up these little things from my mind myself. Oh, what did I write? Did I actually write that? No, but it's it's about it's it's about creating this kind of tension and then and then playing on people's sense of like inner bias, I suppose, and then contradicting it immediately to create humor or something isn't it that's that's what people are doing a lot of stand-up comedians do they um but in real life sometimes there's not this opportunity because we are all not like that so um yeah i, I suppose josie does that a lot as well mm. yeah she's in mute at the moment while uh Sorry, I, I do I, I, i'm listening i've just got my daughter here who might interrupt a little bit and i but um yeah i yeah i it, Everyone, yes, well done, darling. <laughs> this is basically our alarm show, on a TV show. There's a floor manager. Josie's daughter will just go, I think, Mum, you'll find out that this is actually your time of doing this is finished now. Thank you. And there are dinosaur games to be had. So we will have this seems like the right time to um I will quickly by the way, again, there we are. There, let's both show there. This this book Sway is it's it's a it's a wonderful book and uh, and it's a very useful book. I think I, I mentioned that when we first spoke about it when I read it. It's just it, it's a book that gives you homework to do and and to be active with the ideas that are in it i think and and, and it and it's great so uh sway unraveling unconscious but and you can buy i should tell uh, as well obviously there are the kind of the, the the big institutions where you can still get books but a lot of independent bookshops uh the new bookshop uh uh big big green bookshop lots of other ones are still they're still able to get books for you they will send books out to you try and keep those independent bookshops which are struggling so much anyway going as well so and it's can an I give a shout out to pages of hack who've been delivering their stock uh, via bike all around the borough of Hackney. I'm, I'm so sorry about right. that. Sometimes you can... what, it's, 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 it's expected at least twice a week. Uh, and that's fine. That was the second time on Friday and we finished, so, so it's not a problem. But we can't finish without... There's been a lot of questions about how Richard Wiseman's pop-up Wiseman's pop-up pop-up book work has been oh, going. Yes, of course. So, Richard, can we see you now two weeks ago? So I don't, I'm fascinated to know where we've gotten those, those two weeks artistically. 
absolutely. Very quickly, just on that, that very quickly, of, just on that, that thing of changing people's minds. Dale Carnegie, who's a fantastic um, writer, he had this great thing of giving people a reputation. So what he'd do is someone was always late. The one time they arrived early for something, he'd say, what's great about you is, is you're always on time. And it gives them this kind of reputation. And so it's actually quite a neat way of getting in there, if you don't know, because they, they end up leaving it. Um, and then they live up to it. So yes. it's kind of an interesting one. If you just see the tiny little slither of hope, you see the great thing about you is you're not at all judgmental. And then that grows in their head, giving people a reputation. I rather liked it. Anyway, um, uh, pop-up books. This is the one I showed you the other day. Uh, Josie, I don't think you uh, uh, you saw this. I mean, does this mean that whenever you give someone a compliment, what you mean is the opposite, and you're hoping they aspire they aspire to it? <laughs> that, with me, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's true. Everything I say. So, and that, so I, I was always embarrassed about this. I have no artistic ability at all. But this is my boat that I showed the other day, and then I've made two more since then. This is my online pop up course that I'm not very good at at all. Um, this one this is a rotating platform. I hope this comes out okay. Are we ready? <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Look at the card like that. Man in a bed. Hope you can see that. There we go. Um, so that's rubbish. And what? Uh, fun. What a lovely thing to be doing. Well, yeah, well, that's very kind. It's like, like you're, that's the same tone of voice as you're talking to your daughter. The good thing <laughs> is that you're an expert craftsperson. Thank you. <laughs> And this one, I've invented this one myself. It's got three elements I'll talk you through because uh, I do like magic. And so this comes up here. Look at that. And it's a rabbit in a top hat with a wizard behind. Yeah, yeah. And technically, that's a floating platform, a box, and two uh, V-folds on there. And there we go. So um, I can't believe anyone could do any better than this. But my challenge <laughs> for your, your, your guests and viewers, if, I mean, to me, these are absolutely perfect. So I can't imagine anyone could do any better. Um, but that's how I've been spending my time. I'm really impressed by them. I can't wait for that new book. I have been waiting for you to. I've been so. You know, there's a point where I thought there's enough psychology books from Richard Wiseman. When will he move on to doing a, a sequel to Jan Pienkowski's The Haunted House? Now. Now is the time. Um, Thank you so much for joining us again, Richard. Thank you so much, Pragya, as well, as, as we mentioned, uh, this wonderful book. And also mention uh, Richard's most recent book, uh, which was, uh, is, as I mentioned before, we were hoping to get time to talk about it, which is all about the uh, um, the gr ground control of the Apollo missions and the psychology behind that. And also Quirkology. Is, I mean, there's lots of great books that, that uh, uh, Richard's uh, written. Night School is very useful for everyone who's having uh, um, any problems with sleeping at the moment. That's a great book as well. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, Josie is back tonight, tonight at 8.30. Quarantine Comedy Club. Lots of fun. I've actually got three new ideas this week, which is more than I've had in the past six weeks. So, right, so, <laughs> so And they'll Josie's all bomb as well. But you won't know they'll bomb. <laughs> no, that's you? true. That's the thing. I, I need to, yeah, I need to change my thinking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it weird. I, I did one the other day for a place called the Bavard Bar down in, uh, in in Hastings in Alive. And when I was on, when I was doing my kind of 25 minutes, all that was on screen was me looking at myself, which is a oh, really geez. weird thing no, to be performing you. and seeing yourself one second later there and, and trying to, yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I've realised what a lot of people have been putting up with now for 30 years watching my shows. I'm so sorry. Uh, I will re resign. Oh, no, I just mean no one wants to see themselves 
the whole time. No, no, no. But I've realised I've I've been inflicting things I, on people that I really shouldn't have been shouldn't have been doing that. Um, thank you very much for everyone who's been able to tip today. I realise that a lot of you uh, will not be able to do that, but if if you are able to tip today, as we said, we're building up a resource and a fund uh, for for the arts, which we are hoping to distribute more money to a lot of also the local arts centres, which we're uh, around the UK. And uh, we're going to end on Uncle Frank. So uh, we'll see some of you uh, tonight. Quarantine Comedy Club, two science shows over the weekend, and then back on Monday at the new time of well the sometimes new time of 10 30 bye 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 whoopee with you a one two one two three listening don't forget cosmicshambles.com slash stay at home to catch up on all the previous episodes find out who's coming up on upcoming episodes and to leave a tip for acts and artists and venues who are hit hardest at the moment and if you'd like to support us at the cosmic shambles network patreon.com slash book shambles oh.